Well, praise the Lord. How many brought their Bibles to church this morning? That's a good place to bring your Bible. Good to see everybody here this morning as come visit the house of the Lord. Um, I like a good friend of mine, uh, Robert and Stacy, the pastor up in um, Panama City, Florida. And uh, he made a de- declaration I thought was pretty good. He says, um, this Sunday will be National Return to Church Sunday. He said, matter of fact, he said, it'll be that next Sunday. Matter of fact, there's 52 of them in one year. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. That was a good word. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And uh, so I, I like that. You know, 52, uh, let's return to church uh, and, and give God glory this morning. Praise the Lord. I got a message for you. It's going to sound a little funny, maybe the title to some people, but if you hear me out, you'll hear the, you, you'll, you'll, you'll get the message. The title of my message this morning is A Relentless Pursuit of the Impossible. Relentless pursuit of the impossible. How many have ever confronted the impossible? Let me, let me put it a different way. Let me say this. How many here are born again? Okay. How many know that you, when you're born again and become a Christian, that that's impossible for you to do? It's impossible. You cannot do it without Christ. I said you. It's impossible for you to do. And everything that we pursue and is, that is impossible is something that we cannot figure out. We cannot figure out how to do it without God's help. It, it never ceases to amaze me that when God begins to uh, put a challenge before my life, he always puts a challenge that it's almost impossible for me to, compl- to, to do it on my own. It was, in other words, I have to go back to him for the wisdom, for the insight, and for the different things, and, and he guides me along the way. This ministry is a perfect example. 32 years we've been here, uh, and this has changed, I don't know how many different times, uh, to the next phase. God has, a, it's like turning the page as we're, as we're reading his book. Uh, he has another chapter for you, amen? But we have to be in a position where we relentlessly, I like that word, relentlessly, pursue the impossible. Not just call on God when we need him for, to solve a problem, but relentlessly pursue him. Amen? Let me give you some scriptures this morning. I like this. I took a, a quote from Charles uh, Spurgeon this morning, and it says this. He said, the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. What does that mean? That means trials and tribulations and different problems will harden some... Uh, that go forward and keep on going, it will melt others. How many ever saw a child with a meltdown? Okay, praise the Lord. Moving right along. Amen. Amen. So no meltdowns. So I pray this morning you're all made at least clay that you can harden under the situations and circumstances. Praise the Lord. If uh, we went through this last hurricane, Hurricane Ivan, uh, we, Key West was spared somewhat of the destructive damage, but not all of it. Uh, we've had houses that were flooding and different things like that. As you notice, by living in Key West, storms that generally hit us from the Gulf side will have more of a water event than they will a wind event. Of course, the opposite comes true when it hits it from the Atlantic side. But uh, this one has come up, and we were sitting there. But I noticed this. I got a house on Flagler Avenue, and I have this stone wall around my house. And the fact is I had I got two big wooden gates that come into the yard. And, of course, the garage is there. And, and these gates are... Uh, each gate is seven foot long, okay, and it was six foot high, so they're about 14 foot across. There's a 14 foot cross opening. Those gates withstood the hurricane winds of, of um, Irma, 
okay, which was a category four that hit us from the Atlantic side, came across uh, the Keys. Those gates withstood that, that, that storm. But this little category one that we had that came from the south side developed some, showed me the weakness. As a matter of fact, it took one gate right off its hinges and was going to blow it out into Flagler Avenue. So I'm out there in the storm. I, I salvaged the, the gate and uh, lashed them off so they wouldn't float away as the floodwaters came in and so on and so forth. But what it did is that storm showed me where there was a flaw in the hardware of that gate and how it was attached to the wooden gates or two cedar wooden gates. Well, guess what? The next day that flaw was taken care of. I don't believe in leaving flaws go for a long time. I got looking at this, and another guy spoke to me. He said the same way with the trials and trouble. You go there. It'll show you, the, it'll show you your character flaws. It'll show you the flaws within your life, and they'll be able to stand out more clearly, uh, though we don't like it. I don't like going through trials. How many here like trials? If you do, there's something wrong with you. Get help. Seek help quick. Nobody likes trials, but praise the Lord, how many know? Uh, but going through it with God is a whole lot go better than going through it by myself. And I can't remember, I have a house and my garage is separate from the house, and I've got a, a generator inside my garage uh, that is jacked up off the floor and suspended. So basically, if I lose power, I can turn that generator on. And at the noise of that generator and everything else, I got exhaust outside, so don't worry, I'm okay. Uh, um, but um, uh, I, at the noise of that generator, I, come out, I have prayed and rebuked against more storms that we have got. I can't encounter as many hurricanes that we've seen, not maybe direct hits, um, but glancing blows off of Key West. Uh, but one thing I'm thankful for, I'm always thankful that we live on an island because whatever floodwater we see, uh, Hurricane Wilma, they had places in the Keys with six foot underwater, um, but it only lasted about an hour and then it goes away. So I guess if you have to go through, through uh, problems, you really want them short-lived, don't you? Yeah. Not long. Okay, praise the Lord. Again, my relentless pursuit for the impossible, because there's nothing we can do about a storm. This is a good reminder. There's nothing we can do about a hurricane except sit there and watch it. We can't direct it. We can't stop it. We can't make it weaker. Uh, uh, the most brilliant minds in science cannot fix that hurricane. It's going to do what it wants to do, and you just basically stay out of its way or, 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 or calculate uh, how bad it's going to hit you. But there's nothing. once it's headed for you, there's nothing else you can do about it. Amen? So praise the Lord. It's an impossible situation to come against a hurricane. It's an impossible situation to do that. But then I'm reminded, God is our God of the impossible. How many times have God protected us and we've prayed protection uh, for us and other people? Uh, my house is a concrete house. It's in pretty high ground considered. First Key West isn't very high. Uh, I think by 11 feet above sea level is, is considered high in Key West. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but how many families we've... we've we brought in from the church that lived in weaker homes. No, come over to our house. We've, we've had some parties, haven't we, Jennifer? <laughs> and in my house, and kind of, kind of all, all, all the, together. And, uh, but the thing is, is, we pull together, but how many times God has blessed us. No matter what we lose in the natural, we lose from a disaster or whatever, the thing is we've got to remember God is a restorer of those things Amen. that we lost. But the worst thing we could lose is our soul. The worst thing that we can come against us uh, is, is the storm. Is a, here's, here's one thing that I see that, that we need to do as a church. Stop looking at what the devil's doing in the world and start focusing on what God is saying. Amen. Okay, the devil is not giving a direction for the end time ministry. I got news for you. He's just doing what he can do. 
Okay, the direction for the end time ministry and what we're going to be looking for in the coming of Christ is coming to come through the Lord, not through the devil. Amen. The devil went out there and he, got, he said fits through the centuries and, and, and destroy, kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he, Jesus says all he does is kill, steal, and destroy. Okay. But the, it's an it's a, it's a unwise person that allows him when God has given us the power over it. So let me get to my message. I wanted to share that uh, with you anyway. I did get the gates fixed, by the way. They're all back up. And I took care of that little flaw. Just, just a little thing like wood screws instead of bolts in certain areas of the gate strengthened it for the next hurricane. Amen? It might be just the little adjustments that you're going through in, the, in times of trouble. I'm not just talking about the hurricane, but the times of troubles of life. Maybe it's just a little adjustment, but that little adjustment can mean a, mean a difference of, of, of well, let's say, standing or being blown off your hinges. <laughs> so I pray nobody here is blown off their hinges. Praise the Lord. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. Go oh, dig this one right back up the Old Testament. It says this. It said, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. I'll say that again. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. What does it mean? Well, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. He says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. It doesn't matter how you start out. It matters how you wind up. Amen? It always saddens me to watch Christians that are on fire, developing, going for things, then all of a sudden they begin to peter out at the end. And the, the, their church attendance starts to drop off, their prayer, line, their prayer starts to drop off, and they begin to go backwards. Always sad, because basically God is looking for those who finish strong. Amen. Finish strong. It sounds like a, 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 a fitness trainer I had one time. He says, come on, Kevin, finish strong. Finish. I'm tired. I'm fin finish strong. Yeah, finish strong. Praise the Lord. There's a, there's a verb. Amen. Let me go. But... Uh, it says, and it also says, this is, a, this is a message for the church. This is what we should pick up. Scripture, what it says, 1 John 2, chapter 2, verse 6. It's been a long time since I heard anybody ever preach on this scripture. But it says this, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 6. It says, he who says he abides in him ought himself ought to walk just as he walked. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Let me read that again. He who says he abides in him, talking about Christ, he who says he abides in Christ or abides in Jesus ought himself to also walk just as he walked. And I noticed the way Jesus walked, if we looked at that example, one thing he walked, he always walked conscious of the Father. He always had the Father's presence about him. I pray that today, that we always had the Father's presence about us. All right, we okay so far? I was looking at some books and some older books I had. Of course, it's been a couple of months I've been straightening out my library and different things like that. I got a bunch of books. But I come across this. This was, this was a statement that made by Smith Wigglesworth back in 1920s. But anyway, it says, it says, it says, turn your back on every sense of unbelief and believe God. Faith in God and the power with God comes to us through the knowledge of the word of God. Whatever your estimate, uh, this is a part I like. Are you ready? Are you listening to this? Don't fall asleep here. Whatever your estimation is of your own ability, of your own righteousness, or of your, uh, of your work, in any way, you are no better than your faith. I've got to let that one just ferment for a minute there. I've got to let it germinate. We're no better than, our, than our, uh, what our faith is. Of course, our faith and our strength is in the trust of God. Smith Wigglesworth said that in Melbourne, Australia in 1922. He also said this, 
If your help is only in God, then we are always strong and never weak. If your help is always in God, then you are always strong and never weak. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor Kevin. Oh, preach it, brother. We need to hear that one. Hallelujah. Sorry if I woke you up. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I was looking through the scriptures. Paul received 39 stripes. How many of the apostle Paul? He was persecuted. He received 39 stripes five different times. Was beaten by rods three times. He was stoned and suffered years in prison. Listen to this. Yet he prophesied that in our time period, it would be more difficult to live for God. Anybody in here been beaten as many times? No? Put in prison? Yeah? Okay, Is it like Paul, for what you believe or for what you did wrong? Oh, I did that part. Praise the Lord. Amen. But yet he said, these days that we live in, where does he say that? 2 Timothy, if you want to turn your Bible there, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. That's the times we live in right now. This is what he's prophesying for. To come means forward, future, not where he was living right then. So this is the man who was persecuted for preaching Christ, beaten, thrown in prison, shipwrecked for preaching Christ. He said, but now know this. In the latter, last days, perilous times will come, for men shall be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. He goes on, <laughs> haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such people, turn away. Or from such ideas, we can put it that way. Wait a minute. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In other words, Paul says, it's going to be worse than my, than my generation to where I'm beating, put in prison for preaching the gospel because these people will have a form of godliness. They'll think they're righteous. They're going to be the toughest ones going because they think they're so righteous for what they do and for the acts they've done but they're not pursuing the things of the impossible that God has called us to, to pursue. Mm. So he says, this is the danger. This is going to be worse than a beaten. This is going to be worse in prison, that we have a form of godliness. In other words, we come in with a warmed-over faith instead of coming in looking for the presence of God that he promised would be at any of our church services where two or three are gathered in his name to be his presence. So instead of leaning in and looking for the presence of the Father, we're just going to come and say, well, you know, sometimes God does. Well, you know, miracles really aren't for today. Oh, baloney. Jesus never put a time element on his miracles for any generation, any time. Paul said that attitude, uh, attitude of religion is more dangerous than somebody beating you for Christ or tying you to a stake and setting you on fire as they did back then because you believed in Jesus. This is worse, he said. These are perilous times. This is where the devil comes in and he mulls over and puts the church to sleep at a time it needs to be at its, at its best, at a time it needs to have the power of God going forth. When God, I remember when God first talked to me about Key West. I'm not from Key West. We talked to me about coming down here. I thought, I heard him wrong. Either that or God is nuts. 
one or the other. Well, both of them are wrong. The fact is, God was looking for somebody that would stand up, preach the word without compromise, without religion, and just stand there and say, as a matter of fact, this is what the Bible says. And what he did, he caused us to have a church that this is our standard right here, the whole thing. Not just to preach up to a certain line and then can't go any further because my denomination doesn't like it. But to preach the truth in love and to begin to serve, help people understand the truth. So 32 years later, we're still standing, we're still doing the things that God calls to do. I talked to last week about Abraham. Abraham waited 25 years before he saw his first child, and he was called Abraham. His name was Abram. God changed his name to Abraham. Interesting thing about covenant, because God made a covenant with him. When a man and woman gets married, well, maybe not so much today, but it used to be when Diane and I got married. Guess what? Diane Elting, which her last, was her last name. Yeah, she's a Dutch last name, stubborn too. Anyway, I'll get back to my point. But yeah, moving right along. When Diane and I got married... Uh, we stood before the priest. It was a Catholic marriage, but we stood before the priest. She became automatically, after that ceremony, she became Diane Kerr. And I became Kevin Elting. <laughs> I just want to, no, that's not true. I just want to see if you're paying attention to me. Praise the Lord. No, what happened? Diane took my family name. When Abraham said to God, I want to follow after you, he's cut a covenant. The closest thing we have today, a covenant, is marriage. That's the closest thing we've got. But the fact is, back then, it was a whole nother, nother ball game, a whole nother system. Uh, uh, families had come and covenant together, and they actually became related through that covenant and would watch out and protect one another. God says, Abraham, I want to make a covenant with you. And so Abraham says, okay, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And he says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. So what he did, he took a letter out of his name, Yahweh. And Yahweh became the H that he put into Abram, which became Abraham. Abraham actually means father of many nations, and he doesn't have kid one through Sarah because it had to come through Sarah. Hagar wasn't enough. Her, Hagar couldn't do it. She wasn't part of the covenant. He could have children, but it wasn't part of the covenant. That nation had to come out of Isaac, which wasn't even born yet. So here he is, 25 years he's waiting for this child to be born that God had promised him. So I started talking to, to, to my leadership in the war room this morning. I said, here's what it's like. Lighthouse Christian Academy was, 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 we built Lighthouse Christian Academy. The plan came to be 24 years ago, 23 years we've been operating as Lighthouse Christian Academy. Now here's what it's like. We had, one time we had a full-time staff of 11 people, full-time on the payroll. Okay, let's say that we had all the money that we needed. It wasn't a money issue. Pay the rent, pay the staff, pay everything else. And we opened up Lighthouse Christian Academy, and Lighthouse Christian Academy was there for the purpose, because God told us to open that up, to help families in our area, to give them a Christian background. Our textbook is the Bible. It was approved by the state, by the way. That's a whole nother long story. So everything is in place just the way God has said it, but day one when we had the grand opening, opened up the doors, not one child comes through. That's what it would be like. And that's not what happened, but that's what it would be like. Here we are 23 years later, same staff, waiting around for the first child to come through. That's what it's like. 
to stand and look at the impossible situation, to look at the impossible, but yet with a promise of God, not even batting eyes, and God said to build it. How many would doubt that that thing that I just explained without a child in 23 years would be very doubtful if that was God? But yet with Abraham, that's exactly what happened. 25 years. In other words, we'd have two more years to go before the first child walked through the door. And that's exactly what it looked like. But he stands firm. God is behind the person who stands firm and doesn't blow like a weed in every little breeze. Amen. Now that's not what happened. Our first day we opened up with 35 kids come flooding through the door. Uh, and we've been doing good ever since. But the fact is, is that's a, to put it in terms that we can understand better, that's what have been like 25 years. God didn't say it was going to be 25 years. Abraham had no clue how long it was going to be. But he kept his faith 25 years without relenting. What did he do? He was pursuing, relentlessly pursuing the impossible. This is impossible. Listen, he goes into Hagar, which was perfectly uh, uh, legit back in his day, not today, but back in his day. So he goes into, and he has, goes into Hagar and has a son then. So we know Abraham's not the problem. Sarah's the problem. She, her woman's the one being close. She never bore any children. Abraham, we know, can have children, but it isn't about Abraham having children by anybody he wants to. Nor is it about you producing anything you want to the way you want to. But only those things that are sanctified are in the covenant of God. Are we here still? (laughs) Say, I love you, pastors. Pastor Appreciation Month. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. But that's the truth. No, it's got to come through Sarah. No other way. Because we know after Sarah died at 127 that he had children after that, at 175. So we know he had no potency problem. (laughs) It wasn't about the ability of what Abraham could do. It was about about what God said was going to happen the way God said it was going to happen. Sure, you can do things to make yourself feel good. Sure, you can be on top of the world one minute and be in a gully in the next. But what God wants to do is bring you through on an even keel. Can you pursue the impossible? Can you look at things that are impossible? I ask God, why Key West? Why am I here? He says, because I care about the people here. But this is a sinful city. This is, he said, I still care about the people. I said, I was here, I figured the first year I was here, I had been six months ago and I'd be moving out. Because I watch ministers move and come and go all the time in Key West. I thought, you know, God would have show mercy upon me and want to give me a big ministry. Well, he did, but not the way I looked at it. <laughs> he did. He expanded my coverage. He said, he said, but anyway, he said this. He says, he says, you can go any place you want to, and I'll bless it. And yes, you can have a bigger church any place you choose to go. I'll still bless it. And it was that long silence that got me, that kind of, like, there's a but there. You know, where's the but there? He said, but do you want my heart? Do you want to serve my heart? Do you want to serve what you can do? Now, I knew people all over the state. I'm, I could, Georgia, different places like that. I could go to the buckle of the Bible belt of the United States, and I could start. This isn't the first church I started. I started lots of love them. So I had the ability. It's not about your ability or my ability to do things. 
It's about where's God's heart in the things that he goes to do. Can you get a hold of God's heart and do it where he says to do it, even when it's not popular? I can't even count how many ministers I watched go through this town. I used to be vice president of the Lower Keys Ministerial Association. So I had rubbed elbows with all the ministers in different churches. I can't begin to tell you the things I begin to hear from some of these ministers in grumbling and complaining. One guy told me, he said one time, he says, I don't know how you stand it here. I can't even picture raising my kids in this place. He had a legitimate gripe, it sounded like to me. He was a family man taking care of his family. But all he could see was his children growing up and being on drugs or something. But I said, brother, I says, my kids are here. They're not on drugs. I said, the fact is, I says, kids will... I said, then I started thinking of the good thing. And then God shut me up. He says, no, I'm not trying to talk to anybody anything. He said, just share your testimony. You don't know anything about his kids or his family. And I began to listen. Yeah. Paul said, the times that we live in now, the worst thing that could happen to us, even more than a beating and more imprisonment, is to get caught up in religion. I warfare in this church all the time because a very dominant spirit in this town but this is what he's talking about. Have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. What does it mean? There is no more power of the Holy Spirit. There is no more miracles. That's the power of God. Let me, do I need to spell it out any clearer? Praise the Lord. We'll deny that, but we still have a form of godliness. No, we still go to church. We still do this. We still do that. We build the big uh, cathedrals and all the, all the steeples and all everything else. But we've denied the power of God. You know, maybe someday on the sweet by and by. No, no, God says right now. Matter of fact, a part of the mandate that Jesus gave us, I call it a mandate, we call it a commission, call it whatever you want. Do you realize that we're supposed to lay hands on the sick so they recover? Do you know there has, nobody has the authority to cancel that assignment and has never been canceled in his word from the time Jesus said it? So as far as we're concerned, we lay hands on the sick. And the outcome of it is not our business. Amen. It's God's business. I do know this, the problem is always on our end, not on his end. Well, I don't see people getting healed. I was, well, I do. Show me every one that you said prayed for and didn't. I can show you two more that did. I could go around the nation. We'll talk about West Africa if you want to. West Africa, Guatemala. Matter of fact, I got a call just this week from Pastor Mike down in Guatemala. Asked me how I was doing. That's funny. The missionary called me, asked me how I'm doing. <laughs> how are you doing? Oh, you know, same old, same old. We're doing it. We're getting there. He's feeding kids and doing all kinds of stuff, and we just had a chit-chat. Well, thank you for calling. But yeah, we're okay. This ain't our first rodeo talking about the hurricane. Amen? Praise the Lord. Paul, Jesus warned in verse 24, in uh, uh, chapter 24, verse 10, he says, many will give up and will betray one another and hate each other. This is what's going to happen in the last times. You know, when the Israelis, I go back to the, to the Israelites back in the Old Testament, the, the Israelites in discouragement, how many have ever been in discouragement? Here's where you got to be careful. Whenever you get discouraged, it's putting off courage. It's disassembling courage. Discourage is good. How many have ever been discouraged? Anybody ever been discouraged in here? Good. The rest of you, the rest of you are lying. Or fell asleep on the other. I don't know. Praise the Lord. Was it the Israelites in discouragement preferred the safety of slavery over the responsibility of freedom? We have these examples in the Bible. Now, Moses, 
you brought us out here to die, send us back to Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. Remember they said that. But they preferred, in discouragement, they preferred the safety of slavery over the responsibility of freedom. One of the biggest hypocrisies that we have for ourselves, one of the biggest hypocrisies is when we call ourselves a believer, but we only do what we feel. Amen. I really woke up in a good mood this morning. I'm really a happy person. <laughs> Amen. This wasn't supposed to be this hard, but the fact is, is but there has to be that much awakening because we're living in a time and a place where the church is needed for the culture and stuff that we're coming up against and seeing. If the church isn't doing what it's doing, then the power of darkness have won. I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to stand by and watch the powers of darkness win over anything. Are you here? Okay. How many believe that Christ has the victory? Amen. Good. You live in the best place that I can think of in the state of Florida to prove that point. Amen. Go out and prove it. Amen. We have more than a form of God in us, right? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> How many remember when Jesus healed the bold boy with the unclean spirit? Mark chapter, uh, chapter 9, father brought his son to Jesus and said, well, brothers, first of all, let me back up a little bit, he brought his son to the disciples. The disciples tried to cast out the spirit and it wouldn't go. And of course, frustration, they didn't know why. I mean, you think about it, the disciples at that time were the experts on uh, um, demonic removal. <laughs> there was nobody on the planet that were better at it because of following, other than Jesus, following Jesus and doing this stuff. The father brought his son to Jesus and said, Jesus, your disciples tried to cast him out, and he couldn't cast him out. And Jesus said, he's, he's, and this is where the, where the man came from. He says, if you are able to do something for this boy, if. Now, that is the lowest denominator of faith that we have. If you can do something, do something, can you do something to help my son? And Jesus said this, he said, he, he, said, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And he immediately put a qualifier on this thing, and he said to you, if you can believe, all things are possible to him believe. Does the church believe that today? I mean, Jesus said it has to be true. And then he cast out the, I like that the disciples did, they said, let's find out what happened. So they, they get in conference with Jesus. This is what we should do sometimes when things don't work out. When we say, Let's get in conference with Jesus and find out why. Amen. And so they get in conferences, why couldn't we cast them out? And Jesus said, this, only, this kind comes out with prayer and fasting. And Jesus didn't pray or fast. What was he saying? Prayer and fasting does one thing. It denies our flesh and brings us closer to the Spirit of God so we can follow the instructions of the Father more closely. Jesus didn't have to pray or fast because he was in a constant lifestyle of prayer and fasting. He was already in the Father. The Father was already in him. So what Jesus said, this is only going to come out, not because you said some magic word like in the name of Jesus. It's going to come out because of your relationship with the Father. I begin to put two and two together and realize the most important thing we have in the church is our ability to come into God's presence and be in that presence. More than religion, more than anything else, more than this or that, the other thing. Praise the Lord. But to be in the presence. My prayer goes out about every morning this way. Let people seek the presence of God in this hour. Because if they did, this place would be filled up to capacity. If everybody showed up to this church 
that claims this as their church right now. I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm talking by fact. We got names and, and addresses and everything else. Right now, we need a bigger building. We need a big, bigger building. So can I say this with a plea of a pastor? Stop letting Satan win when it comes to your service and your honor to God. And watch what your life will change around. It's not about your convenience or inconvenience. It's about what we do to service him. So Paul is saying, I went through a beating. Hasn't changed my faith any. I've been shipwrecked. It will never change my faith. I'll die and will never deny Christ. But yet the religious people, ah, they may, they may back off of Christ if they get a headache. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay, this is, uh, this is good. I'll give you another one. Rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be saved? A legitimate question. If you're an evangelist, that is your opportunity. What must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, why you call me good? He questioned his motivation. He didn't question his, his request. He knows how to become, Jesus knew how to, that had the answer to the question. It wasn't a question and an answer. But he questioned the guy's motivation. What's your real motivation here? He says, okay. He said, let's, let's test this thing. Do all the things. Oh, I've done all the Ten Commandments. I've done all this. I've done all this. He said, good. He said, so all you, all you have, and come follow me. Sounds like a tough thing, doesn't it? But Jesus only asked 12 to follow him. He would have been the 13th to follow him. There's an invitation. that He didn't give that invitation to all of Israel. He hand-picked and hand-selected who was going to follow him in that particular day and season. And he offered this guy a position on his staff. I can say it that way. And the guy turned it down because his possessions were more important than the Christ he sought or the salvation that he wanted. Mm. And Jesus said this. He said, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Now, that's not a needle that you see for someone and thread. It's a needle that was called a doorway. It's a, it was a shallow doorway. They went through the wall in Jerusalem. And what they had to do, they had to unload the camel, put the camel to the other side, then load them back up again. There's a lot of work involved to get a camel on the inside of the city because he's on the outside of the city. Well, this guy wanted to get back in the inside of the kingdom, but he had too many things in possession, and he was knocking himself on the overhead. <laughs> so, but he said, so he said, it is, so the disciples respond. They say to Jesus, say, well, then who can be saved? Who can be saved? Good question. And Jesus says this, this is his reply. He said, with men it is impossible. With men it's impossible, but with God, for with God all things are possible. How many are saved this morning because of the blood of Jesus, not because of what you Salvation in its purest form is impossible for you. It's possible for me. But with Christ makes it all possible. Now, you get, now do you get the title of the message? We're relentlessly, not, we're not pursuing salvation, we have salvation, but everything that goes, responsibility goes with that salvation in serving Christ. Amen? If you're looking for a miracle, maybe the doctors have given up on you. They said, there's nothing more that we can do. Modern medicine went as far as they can. You are facing an impossible situation. But how many know that Christ has healed people in that same position? He seems to want to start where our impossibility begins. Hmm. So just like we can't save ourselves because it's impossible for us to save ourselves, we can't go to the cross, and if we did, it wouldn't do any good. Amen? But we can grab hold of the one who did, and with God all things are possible. Amen? Are we here? Praise the Lord. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him righteousness. I share with that. 
you, he, he believed God. 25 years, how long are you ready to stand and stand for the salvation and things of God? Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Going through, I've, I've got a bunch of stuff that God has given me to um, not just necessarily to share today. When I sit down and prepare a message, I, I, I load my notes all up, amen, for all different uh, things that he shares with me. Uh, but for this message this morning, um, let me share one last, let me share one last uh, scripture for you. And uh, it says this, James chapter 3, if you want to turn in your Bible there, James chapter 3, verse 13. Let me add this into the mix of what I've given you this morning. I've given you a bunch of nuggets to think about. Let's put, let's put this in the mix. James chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show, show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you, are, if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Listen to what he says in 15, verse 15. This wisdom does not descend from above. That flag right there flagged something. You mean there is wisdom that doesn't descend from God? There's stuff, stuff that looks smart, it looks wise, but as she said, this wisdom, uh, I mean, bitter envy. If you're in bitter envy, you might have a good excuse. Somebody might have done you wrong. So you might think it's wise to cut people off or, or, or not because of that bitter envy. But he says this wisdom doesn't come from above. It is self-seeking. Amen? He says self-seeking your hearts do not both lie against the truth. This kind of wisdom, there's a wisdom that lies against the truth. In other words, it looks smart, but it really isn't. It looks like it's divine, but it really isn't. But it's earthly, sensual. This is continuing on with the same phrase. Earthly, sensual, and demonic. There's a wisdom that is demonic. Yes, when the wisdom comes and separates us from, from, what, from, from Christ. The wisdom that says, well, I got this to do. I don't have time for this to do. The wisdom that looks smart, looks like the prudent thing to do, but then turns out to be wrong. Do we believe the Bible this morning? Yes. Okay. You don't have to believe me, but just read it for yourself and believe the word. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion, every evil, evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable. Now we're getting God's wisdom. Here we got the, now here we got the, the litmus test right here. This is what comes from God. He says, wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Do you know what you have to do to complete that wise wisdom? You have to consider other people. <laughs> I'll read the list again. Okay, but this wisdom, uh, this wisdom that comes from above is first pure. Okay, above all things, it's pure. Good heart, good motivation, good motives to it. Then peaceable is gentle. Gentle to who? Gentle to yourself? No. Gentle to somebody else. Willing to yield, full of mercy. Mercy for yourself? No. Mercy for some other, somebody else. Has good fruits. Who enjoys the fruits of your labor? Somebody else. Amen? Without partiality. Hmm. Are you partial to yourself? <laughs> no. Partiality is choice between two things. I'm going to show the same. Uh, between two individuals, I'm going to show no partiality. Without partiality and without hypocrisy. In other words, I'm going to do what I say, say what I do. I'm going to be what I am and be what I, uh, I profess to be. 
That's the wisdom that comes from God. Again, it deals with somebody else. When we serve God, when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, use this phrase, our Father. Not my Father, not your Father, but our Father. He talked about the body of Christ. Paul even said it had parts in particular. So you have a part of this. You are a part, a functioning part. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I take a part of your body. I have a hand. This, uh, say my left hand. All of a sudden, my left hand doesn't want to function like a hand. It just hangs there. I still have it. It's still attached to my body, but it's not functioning. Oh, this is better, this is better preaching. I'm getting response to this morning. Yeah, hallelujah. <clears throat> I could have gone to a different scripture, but I like this one. Praise the Lord. <laughs> when we worship God, what we're doing is, and we're asking for wisdom, we do this through worship. We're acknowledging God. In that worship is a rec- recognition of worth and value. Whatever we're worshiping is our recognition of what is worth and value. Is God worth and value to you? Then worth and value is who, then God is who we worship. Amen. Amen? If your ideas and yourself is worship, is, is, is worshiping you, well, then that's just you. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, good. I'm glad I preached this message. Hallelujah. I'm not getting a lot of amens, but I'll, I don't care. This is a good message. Amen. This may be the vitamin we need. Or the vegetables we don't want to eat. Praise the Lord. I have one or the other. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Say, we love you, Pastor. We love you, Pastor. Uh-huh, thank you. I, I, I feel already. feel the love in here. Thank you, Jesus. I thought I really did wake up with a good... You know, I had a cup of coffee this morning. I was, really, I was doing good this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, how many want to relentlessly pursue? Understand something about quitting? That's a decision only you can make. Whenever you quit, it's a decision you make. You're the only one that can make that decision. Well, praise the Lord. Quietness, Presbyterian Convention this morning, but that's okay. Amen. Hosea, chapter 6, if you ever read the prophet Hosea, one of the problems Israel was having, Israel had departed from God. This is the background of the story. And Hosea 6, in verse 3, he said, Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. He made that statement, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord and let us go forth. In other words, the prophet was trying to bring back a nation that had turned to paganism, had turned their backs on God. And this is what he said, let us pursue. I like that. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Let us pursue not what God wants to teach us, but let us pursue what we should know of God. Amen? He said, let us know. The first thing he said, let us know, verse 3. He said, let us pursue the knowledge of God. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain and like the latter and the former rain to the earth. Amen? The cry, in other words, the cry of Hosea was, let's press on. No, let's hunt down, chase the encounter with God that changes our understanding of reality. Can I say that again? I worked hard getting all this, all this down. The cry of of, of Hosea was this, let's press on. No, let's hunt down, chase the encounter with God that changes our understanding of reality. I pray that this morning, that that when we press into the presence of God, you've heard me use the expression leaning in, 
The presence of God makes all the difference. I've been preaching this now for a couple of years, uh, the, or the emphasis, I should say, on this for a couple of years. But the presence of God makes all the difference. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, my presence is there. Is there any time that the presence of God is not worthy of praise? Is there any time that the presence of God is not worthy of worship? Is there any time in the presence of God that wisdom is not given? Is there any time in the presence of God that we get stubborn and stiff-necked and will not do what he says? Oh, sorry, sorry, that was for me. Uh, but is there any time in the presence of God that we're not loved? Is there any time in the presence of God that we do not receive joy? Is there any time in the presence of God where we do not receive peace? It, all those things that I just mentioned, how many would want those things? How many want more peace? How many want more? Then the presence of God is the answer. If you went to a doctor and he gave you a prescription for whatever, would you follow that prescription? Most likely you would if you're paying the bill. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm not a doctor, but I can, I can speak for the word this morning. When the presence of God is there, there's fullness of joy. I do know that. I do know with the presence of God, there's peace. If you're in turmoil this morning, I do know God has your answer. Don't look at the world. They don't have an answer. They, they, would, they would kill for peace, right? <laughs> kind of contradiction terms, but they would, they would do anything for peace because there is none. There's none to be found. Praise the Lord. Good preacher, good preaching, Pastor Kevin. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad I had that cup of coffee this morning. I was able to talk fast enough to get all that in. <laughs> Amen. How many, are, how many are glad they came to church this morning? I don't care. We locked the doors. We're not letting you out anyway. Praise the Lord. But no, how many uh, um, get a sense as I'm preaching this, how many get a sense of the Spirit of the Lord speaking to the church, speaking on your behalf? Amen. Father, we thank you for the word that's gone forth this morning, and we give you the praise and honor for it. And Lord, we thank you again for giving us wisdom, understanding, and insight. Though we may live in perilous times, as Paul placed it, we know that things that seem impossible right now are not impossible with God. Everything we're facing, I mean everything that we're facing right now that looks so impossible are not with God. They are with us. They are in our own strength, but they're not impossible with God. So Father, help us to pursue the impossible which causes us to pursue you in every circumstance and every situation. And we thank you. We give you the glory and honor for it this morning in the name of Jesus. The devil is not stronger than you. He is not bigger than you. The devil isn't even in the same category as you. The devil comes from a fallen angel called Lucifer, which was a creative being of God's, so he's not even in the same caliber. Help us to realize that and recognize that and get the revelation of who God is. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you have given us the grace. Grace is not an entitlement for salvation. If you're taught that, I'm sorry, you're taught wrong. Because Paul taught us what grace was. It's an empowering presence of God that causes me to go beyond, empowers me to do the things that God has called me to do, to be what God has called me to be. That's the true definition of grace. Amen? Thank you, grace. Thank you, for God, for grace that empowers us to stand against the enemy in these days that we live in. But thank you, Lord, that give us the grace that we can minister also as ministers one to another in this church, Father God, to help other people we got a community that is sick and dying. So we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that your, that your revival starts today. 
We thank you, Father God, for those that are believing for impossible things right now, that, Lord, their answer starts now in the name of Jesus, and we give you glory for it right now. It starts now. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Thank you, Jesus.